This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Recovery Radio. My name is Steve Martirano. We're here on Saturdays, and we're talking about the disease of addiction. We've been doing it for a long time now. The whole thing is uh, brought to you by Retreat, Premier Addiction Treatment Centers, and we'll get into uh, them more straight ahead. But I hope everybody had a terrific uh, uh, holiday, a very Merry Christmas, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, the the new year now. This is the last program, I guess, of uh, of this year for us. So we... uh, we are pleased to end on a, a really important um, topic with regard to substance abuse in a specific uh, area. We have done programs about veterans and first responders many times over the years on Recovery Radio. But today we are uh, delighted to have a couple of guys who have uh, taken the issue uh, and uh, created something out of it, something that we believe is very, very beneficial. And it involves substance abuse Uh, with regard to veterans and first responders. So we have an interesting one for you. If anybody in your family falls into that category, then this is a program that you may want to listen to. In the studio with us, we have Benji uh, Canafo. And uh, uh, Benji joins us from his company, which is Strive Health, where he is vice president of business development. On the telephone, his colleague and co-founder of the group we'll tell you about is Eric Golnick, Eric is the, as I said, co-founder and CEO of Veterans and First Responders, VFR Healthcare. Gentlemen, welcome to Recovery Radio. Morning, Steve. Thanks for having us. Hey, good morning. Thank you so much for having us. No, it's our pleasure. So let's let let's begin, Benji, if you don't mind, uh, with uh, with your colleague Eric. Eric has a, uh, a, a very impressive uh, resume. He uh, Eric graduated from uh, the University of Miami. I guess he couldn't get into a re- – what was your first school, uh, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> that was my first school. Come on. Come on. I'm sorry. Just because we haven't good, been good at football for the last decade. I, I, mean, uh, I, could, I couldn't resist that. Anyway, he uh, graduated uh, with honors in uh, 2009 and then began a, a, a very impressive uh, career both in uh, the military and in government attending the U.S. Naval Officer Candidate School. Uh, where he gra- he graduated and was commissioned in the summer of uh, 2009 as a naval officer. He had a career there, uh, went on to get a, a master's degree in uh, uh, what is it, P- uh, public and international administration from the University of Miami. He's worked various levels uh, of uh, the government as a, uh, a military, I guess, attache. And uh, it's that experience, his experience as a veteran, and he's going to tell us now his experience uh, with substance abuse that has uh, brought us all together here today. Did I get all that right, Eric? Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, working at those various levels, I was just really good at getting coffee. That was my uh, that was my thing. So. <laughs> well, I, you know what? I, as I look, you know, I mean, as I look at the stuff you've done, and you know, a pretty a pretty young uh, pretty young guy. Um, I could have you back on the show to talk about a couple of other things here. Maybe we'll do that at some other point. But tell us uh, tell us about. Uh, your history in the military as a veteran and uh, how, I guess, your struggles with substance abuse uh, has made all this possible. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, thank you for having us on. And, you know, it, it's an interesting, I had a very interesting career in the Navy. Um, I got stationed out um, in Japan and uh, was was out there on a few ships when, when I started. Uh, and then I, I started working with uh, explosive ordnance disposal, which is EOD. And, um, you know, it was, you know, Japan was an interesting tour because I started on ships out there, and then um, my cool-down period was uh, the tsunami, the 2011 tsunami, 
which was very, um, I mean, you want to talk about full-scale destruction, um, death. It was, it was very traumatizing. Um, and then, you know, part of that, what led to my, you know, path into substance abuse was I had a, a sailor who had dealt with that similar trauma uh, died by suicide in front of me, um, which was extremely traumatizing. And especially as an officer, they're like your kids. Um, so, you know, I got back, I was fine. And that's what a lot of vets will tell you. It doesn't happen immediately. You don't start having symptoms immediately. It takes a little time. Um, and I started, you know, self-medicating, started drinking a lot. Um, and I was, you know, working still working for general Kelly actually at Southern command. Um, and, was, was high functioning, but was really in a very bad place. Um, and so, you know, coming from that, I, I, why I started this company is the difficulty I found getting help, um, and getting help with people that actually understood what a service member goes through, um, and kind of being able to identify things at that level. So that's, you know, that's why we started this company. It's, it's to be able to have people that understand and meet them at that level. Yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about the culture of, uh, in the military, the culture of drinking. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's almost, I mean, you know, somebody that comes back from a tsunami and says they need a drink, no one no one looks at that as abnormal, right? Right. Absolutely. And, and we have things like dining ins and dining outs, which are the formal um, officer occasions that drinking is literally a part of the ceremony, right? It's it's a very um, accepted and encouraged behavior, right. uh, In a lot of cases, right? Yeah. Uh, the, uh, I guess the military is one of the f- remain. I'm guessing here now, one of the remaining places where, um, if someone's not drinking, there's sort of a you know look across the table like, really, you don't drink? What's uh, wrong with yep. you? Right? Yep. <laughs> Right, I mean, Absolutely. In, especially in the navy, yeah. especially in the navy, we 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 have gotten somewhat better in civilian life in social situations where someone says no thanks. People are generally aware enough to go, okay, they don't want to drink. But I guess it's not the same in the military. As so, you're active military and you're abusing out. Al- it's alcohol or or, or other alcohol, drugs. yeah. And, and how? And obviously, you you must have been functioning uh, well enough to hide it. What was that like? It, it was it was uh, rough. And as a matter of fact, the uh, one of the colonels I worked for, because you know we, I worked for a joint command um, in the middle um, of my of my tours. Uh, he grew up with alcoholic parents, and the only way he could tell was not that I would come in the morning feeling like it, he could tell I was stuffed up in the morning, right? So that's one of the symptoms. And uh, he's one of the first people that identified it and said, "Hey, look, look, I'm not going to bring this up. I'm not going to try to get this on your record. I just want you to get help because I grew up with this and I understand what you're going through, but you need to get help." Wow, that's a, um, that's a break, right? So, but you, but you, so you, uh, what I what I, what I think people don't understand, perhaps from the civilian point of view, is that in a, at a certain level, it's easier to miss the signs of substance abuse, particularly when they're al- alcohol based. Correct? Absolutely, absolutely, and and it's um, and you know, it's not only is it easy to miss the signs, but nobody wants to be the one to say that you need to get help. Um, because that brings in a whole host of things like losing your security clearance, potentially. Um, there, there's a stigma still in the military of, oh, okay, well, you just can't handle it, obviously. And you've got, it's like, you know, we're, 
we're all uh, supermen and women, and uh, we can handle it. We don't need any help, basically. So when this, uh, you say it was a uh, commanding officer that said to you, "Look, man, you may have, you may, you need help. You better get some help." You hadn't, had you thought about the fact that you were abusing alcohol, or hadn't hadn't it occurred to you at that point? It, it, it occurred to me. Um, I, I definitely knew I was not on a, a good path, but at the same time. It, I was horrified of getting help because, again, we go back to losing right. your job, losing stature mm-hmm. within the command structure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's very it's very difficult uh, because of the stigma to get help. Yeah, in the military. at that point in your life, had you considered that you were going to be an, a naval officer, or that would be your career for for many years? I, I did, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know what what stopped me from doing? I was diagnosed with post traumatic stress uh, disorder in 2012, and um, I I just knew that it would continue to get worse. So I wanted to take some time, and that's when I left active duty and went into the reserves to, to really just try to fix myself to get to get help and, and take care of myself. Eric Goldnick is with us on the telephone. Eric is co-founder and CEO of Veterans and First Responders Healthcare. Uh, and from the organization that helped him uh, or came together with him to, to create this is uh, uh, Benji uh, Kanafko from uh, Strive Health. We'll find out about. So what's Strive? Tell us about Strive, uh, Yeah. So, Benji. So, yeah, with pleasure. And it's uh, Benji Kanafo. I'm the Vice President of Business Development for Strive Health, and we are uh, right now operating in three states. We're in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and New Hampshire, uh, Paramus, New Jersey, Manchester, New Hampshire, Greensburg, Pennsylvania. We provide substance abuse and co-occurring mental health uh, treatment in uh, intensive outpatient setting. So we're really focused on working collaboratively with VFR Healthcare. It's our sister company. And, uh, you know, we provide treatment for the general population, and we have population-specific programming for veterans and first responders. So, so, so Eric, uh, I'm a little confused about something. I mean, wh- why the need for a, for a, a new organization dedicated to ve- particularly veterans? Doesn't the VA handle all this? Yeah, and, and the VA, so I, I don't know if, um, if Benji had mentioned this, but we, we have a, a very – National, it was it was historic, first of its kind, uh, strategic partnership with the VA. So we work very close with the VA, um, and the VA does. There's amazing people doing amazing things there, but they they have some capacity issues um, in terms of of gap areas, and in particular, what we do, which is intensive outpatient and outpatient treatment, a lot of areas um, the VA does not do that, um, and it's it's part of this that, you know, and we can talk about it later, but it's, it's part of what we consider our grand strategy is, is to be able to help fill gaps and be what, what we would call in the military a force multiplier to the VA, not a competition. I got it. Uh, first responders, was, was that automatically thought of as being part of this, or did, was it an outgrowth of the fact that many veterans are also in civilian life first responders? How did those two groups come together? It's it's both, um, and you know, I, I my my dad was a police officer and a U.S. marshal, um, so I grew up with that, and I saw you know he he's also in recovery, and I saw what he went through. Um, and first responders, you know, in the military, we're exposed to trauma. Uh, at, at you know, an IED goes off, um, mortars come in, whatever it is. Uh, first responders deal with trauma on a daily basis, so it's it's one of those things that it's a it's another underserved population that really. 
could use the help. Um, and the stigma is even worse than it is, in my opinion, uh, in the military about trying to get help from those populations. We're talking about veterans and addiction. Uh, we'll take a look at the many sides of the problem and how it affects uh, first responders as well. You're listening to Recovery Radio. We have more. Don't go away. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. My name is Steve Martorano with uh, our guests in the studio, uh, uh, Benji uh, Canafo from uh, Strive Health and his colleague, uh, Eric Golnick, uh, co-founder and CEO of the organization we're here to talk about, which is Veterans and First Responders, VFR Healthcare. Um, Eric, uh, so you, you, know, you, you took us up to that moment where you are active military, uh, seen a lot, been diagnosed with uh, PTSD, um, and decide that you need help because you're you're abusing alcohol. Um, obviously, you guys created this organization because the process you were about to enter was not an easy one. Tell us about that. Yeah, and and again, uh, it's nothing against the VA. Um, they, they again, they do amazing things. It was trying to find something that was outside of the VA system because at the, at that time, I had a top secret clearance. And if you get help, it could potentially affect your, your clearance. So I went to a community provider, um, and basically what he said uh, was pretty crazy um, when I first started meeting with him, uh, was, okay, so when you, when you hurt people in the military, that's the trauma that you're going through. And I go, what? Um, it was just a complete lack of, of cultural understanding of the population. Um, and a lot of vets... And, and first responders, if they have that experience, they just won't go back to get help um, because if they're like, you know, the, to heck with this. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put up with this. These people could never understand what I've been through. So that's part of the reason why we started this. Yeah. Everybody um, either is a veteran or has. We have very um, intense cultural competence training for all of our clinicians, so they understand this population better. Eric, take a moment and explain where he was making the disconnect there. I mean, it seems like a kind of logical question. A military, active no, military guy comes in and says, you know, I'm, I'm really messed up behind, you know, my life in the military and what I've seen and done, and I'm abusing substances as a result. And somebody says, well, it's because you're killing people or hurting people. Why? I mean, what was he missing there? So not everybody in the military, um, for example, I myself never fired a shot in anger uh, at somebody. Um, not everybody in the military is traumatized the same way. Not everybody has the same experience. Uh, we work a lot with female veterans. They deal with a lot of, and male veterans, they deal with a lot of uh, military sexual trauma, which is sexual assault in the military. So there, there's just so many facets of, you know, different parts of the military, different jobs that he just didn't get, right? Um, and, and it's not, per se, his issue. I mean, it's not his fault. He's probably never worked with the population in depth, right? So um, it's it's there are so many nuances that are so important that you can lose somebody and you'll you'll lose them forever if you can't right. get through to them and have that understanding. Right. We've, I mean, does, you don't have to be abusing substances to have that experience where you're sitting in front of someone who's supposed to help you and you know that they don't understand what the problem is. Um, Absolutely. So where do you go from there? What, what do you, what, what, what do you do when you, when you're confronted with that? Well, uh, I thank goodness had the self-awareness to, to try again, to go to a different provider. Um, and it, it took me a while to find somebody that understood. Uh, and it took a long time and, and I probably could have been in recovery a lot sooner 
had I had someone that was culturally competent. Um, I probably would have stopped drinking a lot sooner. So, um, this the the it's a, it's a exclusively an outpatient uh, situation, right, Ben? ben? That's and, correct. And uh, Eric, yes. was was that important in the context of military and first responders for a specific reason? I mean, you know, most people think, well, if you got a problem, you got to go into a residential facility. And I know some of your people probably have, but, but why did you focus on outpatient treatment? Well, it's. Yeah, and that's a great question. And, and I think in recovery, as, as I'm sure you well know, there's there's a continuum of care that that's very important. Um, there's always going to be a need for residential and inpatient, um, but there's also what we see, and especially with veterans and first responders, is that long term care. It's not going to take. It's not going to be 30 days and you're done. There needs to be a, a what we would call in the military a positive handoff for folks where they can continue to get treatment. Um, you know, I'm still going to, to providers uh, to work with, you know, post-traumatic stress. It's not something that goes away uh, quickly, right? It's something that you, you need to work on and stay vigilant on. So that's the reason we did it, is we're, we're a very small piece of the puzzle um, to keep people in long-term recovery. It's also, I guess, Benji, important that particularly first responders and, and uh, active duty military, that they uh, both manage their um, substance abuse issues and stay in their, their jobs, right? That's, that's correct. Absolutely. That's correct. So we actually call it recovery in the real world uh, in our organization. So we believe that being, bringing the family in, being home, going to your job, you know, hanging out with your friends, your support systems is really important part of your recovery because those are the people that you're going to be interacting with every single day, which is why we believe in the outpatient model. So we can be that partner in care. So as someone transitions from a residential or an inpatient stay, we can be that continuum of care to make sure that they're getting the help they need. It's also true, I guess, Eric, that uh, the thought of getting treatment, no matter how obviously one needs it, would be too disruptive if it were just residential uh, treatment. I mean, it, that scares a lot of people away in the first place, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and you know, it's especially nobody wants to leave their family for a long time. Um, and and it's, it's for, in particular for the job, um, if the command or the chief is, is willing to do it, outpatient's ideal for a lot of these folks because it doesn't take them out of their, their day-to-day job um, and they can continue their career without uh, the stigma, without, without being gone for a while and then coming back and then having to explain that. That's, it's, it's, it's a good tool for a lot of first responders in particular um, to be able to use the outpatient model. The topic is veterans and first responders and an organization that was created about a year ago now. Is it is going on two so, years? So June 2016 is when we started. Our first facility opened October of 2017. VFR Healthcare uh, co-founder Eric Golnick and uh, from Strive Health, which is the other partner in this, uh, Benji Canafo with us to talk about. We have more straight ahead. Don't go away. This is Recovery Radio. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. We're here on Saturdays talking about the disease of addiction, the road to recovery, and it's all sponsored by Retreat Premier Addiction Treatment Centers. This is where I do my song and dance. I do it every week. Um, Retreat is a, uh, has a uh, sterling reputation. You can look it up. They've helped lots and lots of people. And they, uh, and they, and they sponsor this program, but we tell you every week, they're not here to tell you they're the only way to get sober and get, uh, and get uh, uh, healthy. They're, they're very good at what they do. They sponsor this program as an informational tool. So anything you hear about the program today, if you're, if you're active in the military or a veteran and you've got problems and you want qu- uh, questions answered, 
That's what the re- that's what retreat is here for. So I give you their phone number and I tell you this every week as well. Uh, we hope you never need to use it. But in, in a uh, in a tough situation when you have to make uh, difficult decisions quickly, you need you need somebody on the other end of the line that knows what they're talking about. So here's the number, and um, if you have any questions, just call retreat eight five five eight five nine eight eight zero eight eight five five. Eight five nine eight eight zero eight. Eric Golnick is our guest on the telephone. Eric is uh, up in uh, New England, joining us on the phone, as I say, and with us in the studio from Strive Health is Benjamin Canafo. Uh, they together have uh, created something called the VFR, Veteran and First Responders Healthcare. So, how, so how did you, your company, wind up? finding out about Eric and Eric about you. So we actually came together. We started the organization together. So um, Eric may, may do a better job of telling the story as to how, how we know each other. But from a high level, he as you mentioned earlier in the show, Eric went to University of Miami where uh, he met Eric Freeman, who's the founder, co-founder and co-CEO of Strive Health. Uh, Eric's older brother, John, also went to University of Miami, who was an ROTC and uh, served in the Army as a, as a captain in the and first cavalry in the army. So, uh, Eric, you want to t- talk a little bit more about yeah, how you sure, and John sure. developed yeah, so, the relationship? So, John, uh, even though uh, he made the mistake of going army, and I'm Navy because I was the smarter one, of course, um, it was, it was my best friend. We we uh, we played rugby together in college, um, and you know his family uh, is like my family. Uh, we, every time I would go deploy, I would I would stay at their house. Um, they, they're just genuinely awesome people, and uh, John's brother. Um, knew I had gone through Eric, who is my business partner and co-founder, knew I had gone through recovery and knew I was going through because we're like family and asked me when he was thinking about starting this company, hey, do you think that there's a need for veterans and first responders? And I said, obviously, no brainer. It's, it's a massive gap that we could we could really do some good in. And uh, he said, well, hey, why don't we start a company together? And that's how it started. So um, it's a, it's very family-oriented. It's family-owned and operated. So um, we are very uh, fortunate to be able to do this. And, and from my perspective, uh, and I talk to John, his brother, about this all the time, it's it's my way of continuing to serve. Uh, it's interesting. That if I follow that, uh, that chronology and the story correctly, that makes uh, Benji and I the only civilians involved in this thing. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that right? Everybody else, everybody else is, is a veteran. Um, tell us a little bit about population specific programming. I, it's obvious how it relates to you guys, but why is it important that you focus on a specific uh, subset of substance abusers, Eric? Well, I think it's you know when we're looking at the substance abuse issue. Uh, as, as a whole, there are, there are what we what we would call gap areas, right? Um, there are areas that are not getting, um, there are either not enough resources, there are not enough uh, providers, um, and there are not enough people that understand this population. And I think that's where, where we come in is to be able to help fill that gap. Uh, the population specific, what we see is there are better outcomes when you have culturally competent folks treating them. So that's the specific population why we're doing it is because we want to be able to create better outcomes. Um, but with that being said, we also want to partner with as many people as we can because another piece to this is that reintegration piece of those populations, the specific populations. All right, tell us the about veterans that. And first, yeah, could tell us sorry. about the re, – the re, first of all, I should have gotten to this a little sooner. Tell, tell me about that reintegration. We're talking about active military people, for instance, who are one day in a combat zone and maybe – 
18 hours later, you know, are civilians. Tell, tell us about the difficulties involved in reintegrating. And you see it a lot worse with the, with the National Guard units, which, you know, they, they, it's not their, the military is not their day job, right? They, they come back, and that's, it's, it's very um, traumatizing for them to come back and reintegrate. It's, you know, what I would always consider um, addiction a disease of isolation. And in particular with these populations, you are used to, when you're in the military and you deploy, you're with all your best friends, you're with people that you trust that literally have your back life or death, right? That would take a bullet for you. And then you come back to the States and it's not like that. It's, you don't have that people go back to their day-to-day lives. They go back to their families, they go, and, and it's kind of a, they lose that tribal aspect of it. So the reintegration piece is not just reintegrating back with other veterans and military people, but it's the community, right? You need to get back into the community. Um, and that's what we try to do. And that's why we try to partner with as many folks as we can that do community activities, um, you know, things that get people to feel like they're back home and finally back home. Yeah. They're not stuck in that. Yeah. You know? let, let, let me ask you something, and I don't know how you'll respond to this, but to many of us, to, to too many of us, the, um, the idea when we're, we meet someone who's, you know, just come back from a combat tour, um, to welcome them back, the phrase is, thank you for your service. How do how do military people react to that when they've heard it two or three hundred times? Yeah, it's um you know what I always tell people is when when you're at, when you're talking to a veteran, don't don't thank them for their service. Ask them about their service, right? Ask them ask them what their experience was, and and that's a way of thanking them. Is if you show genuine interest in what they they have gone through, what they've done, you, you'll you'll actually feel like they'll, the veteran themselves will feel like that person actually cares yeah, and actually stay there and listen to what yeah. they have to say. It's such a shame because because the expression is obviously heartfelt and well-intended, but but, ha, but but now just sounds almost hollow and, you know, sort of perfunctory, like saying, you know, have a great day. Thank you. For, right. Thank you for your service. Are, um, are you guys seeing at that uh, – at uh, uh, VFR, are you guys now seeing a lot more cases of opioid abuse? One of the things I read a couple of years ago was that, that there were they like everybody else, veterans were being over over prescribed uh, painkillers because of injuries and in, you know in, involved in combat. Are, are you are, are we seeing a, a higher incidence of opiate abuse among uh, military? We are, and I will say that the, the VA has taken some substantial steps on their on their primary care side um, and their medical side. To, to limit that as much as possible. Um, but there, you know, in the past, I would say in the past decade, um, there has been severe overprescribing. Um, yeah. But they, they have taken some substantial steps. And yeah, I mean, look, we're all, you know, you carry around so many, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pounds of gear. Eventually your joints and things. Right, go, right. right. I mean, there's... No, I can't think of a, a population that would be more likely to be prescribed painkillers than active military or first responders who are, you know, as you say, humping it all the time, and and you know your body wears out and you get injured, uh, and the you know the military, the VA, you're right, well intended, but they were they fell victim to the same sort of uh, rationale that the civilian medical establishment was. Well, you know, they're in pain. Let's let's right. treat their pain. One of the things that it was missed in that whole equation was the mental health aspect of this. Uh, Benji, uh, take take a moment and, and tell us about how you guys are sort of integrating those two things. 
Yeah, so so as I mentioned earlier, we, we provide substance abuse treatment. <clears throat> and what we're seeing is a, a, oftentimes that people have a co-occurring mental health condition. So as Eric mentioned earlier, he had PTSD and was and was self-medicating. So you're seeing a lot of folks that are self-medicating. So it becomes a substance use disorder. So we're really, we're focusing on the whole individual, right? So we're focusing on the, the substance use. And then we're also focusing on that, that co-occurring mental health piece. So if someone has depression or anxiety and doesn't know how to manage it, they may turn to alcohol or drugs. Uh, uh Eric, with regard to the risk of suicide, um, how large a risk is that among these two populations, veterans and first responders? Yeah, it's it's at not to be dramatic, it's at epidemic proportions. I mean, we're still at 20 suicides per day, um, and that's throughout the veteran population and active duty. 20 a day? Um, 20 a day, yes. 20 suicides a day. Um, and you know that's and frankly, I'm I'm ticked off about it. I'm 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 tired of losing friends. Um, we're losing more friends now back home than we were uh, overseas. Way more. You mean, uh, you, you it, mean in in, com, in 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 combat zones? Yeah, correct. We're losing more people, more vets uh, now than we were, and we're still at war, right? We're still in in combat areas, but. We're, we're losing more people by by dying by suicide than we are in combat, and it's it's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. So whatever we can do to help stem that, and that's the partnership we have with the VA is with the Office of Mental Health and Suicide Prevention. So they're trying to look at it as far upstream, and substance abuse is a huge piece of that. You, you'll see a lot of vets um, that have died by suicide, big piece of it was substance abuse prior to the suicide attempt or completion. As a result of all this, um, these two these two groups, Eric and uh, his background in the military, and Benji's uh, people at Strive Health, created VFR Veterans and First Responders Healthcare, uh, dedicated to this specific population of people who are struggling with trauma and substance abuse issues. Veterans and first responders. We take another uh, break here now, but in the, in the um, moment here before uh, we do. Uh, Again, you are outpatient modeled. That's that's what you do as part of the continuum of care. I understand that. But anybody uh, – some people may be listening and going, come on, man, these problems are deep and profound. Can somebody really get healthy or healthier in an outpatient context? Yeah. Yeah, they, they certainly can. There's there's efficacy around it. You have medical professionals and clinical professionals who, who, are, all, who are always advocating for outpatient treatment. Um, you know, the worst thing you could do is not get the help. So, you know, getting your getting your foot in the door and speaking to a professional about what's going on and how you can how you can get help is is really important. So, like like we said, uh, residential and inpatient is is a great great model. It's a complement to what we do in outpatient. If someone needs a higher level of care, but we're in your communities, we're at your home. If you need to talk to someone, we can certainly help with that. If you're a veteran or a first responder and you're struggling or have struggled, uh, when we come back, we will uh, find out what happens when you knock on the door at uh, uh, VFR and what you can expect in a situation like that. This is Recovery Radio. Don't go away. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. I, I hope you're finding us here on Saturdays. We talk about the disease of addiction. And most importantly, we reveal the dirty little secret about substance abuse in this country, and that is that, as grim as it is, and it is, millions of people are living in long-term successful recovery. They are. So it is possible. Um, it's not easy, but it's possible. The whole thing, of course, sponsored by Retreat, Premier Addiction Treatment Centers. Uh, Eric Goldnick and uh, uh, 
Benji Canafo, our, our guest in the studio. They have formed a, a company called VFR, which deals with veterans and first responders who are struggling with substance abuse. The organization VFR Healthcare is a result of, uh, of their collaboration. So, guys, uh, somebody listening goes, well, okay, what do I do? Where do I go? Tell us uh, about the uh, organization. Yeah, sure. So uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, Steve, uh, Strive Health is the the name of our facilities, and we have veteran first responder programming in each one of our programs. Sorry. We're located in Greensburg, Pennsylvania, which is just outside of Pittsburgh. Uh, We're in Paramus, New Jersey, which is uh, just outside of New York City over the George Washington Bridge, and Manchester, New Hampshire, which is a little bit north of Boston. Uh, so, you know, as as we as you mentioned, we do treat veterans and first responders at our facilities. We really want to focus on increasing access to care in the outpatient level. So we're really focused on an in-network model. We, we, we have contracts with TRICARE. So we network with TRICARE, which is the veteran benefits. And in New Jersey, we have a, we have a vendor contract with the New Jersey Department of Meta, uh, Military and Veteran Affairs uh, for outpatient services for veterans and their families. So and, and just to clarify, uh, sorry, just yep, to clarify. Okay. So to, we're 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 a network of Tricare and uh, VA Choice, which is the the um, veteran affairs uh, in the community. So we're, we're, anybody can come to us uh, through through the VA as well. Do, uh, uh, Eric, in your experience, do uh, veterans um, have an understanding of just what kind of benefits they have and what's available to them, or or not? Well, no, they they really don't, and it, and it can be kind of convoluted, especially. Um, They've been trying to change this, but when you leave active duty, they don't. The DOD does not do a great job of telling you what benefits you have, so they're they're working on trying to make that a seamless uh, kind of transition. Uh, but what we're part of our partnership with the VA is to make sure that when we have clients, we get them into the system. We help get them into the system because there are benefits that they don't even know about that they could get um, disability, all sorts of things. So we, we try to get them as much as we can uh, into the system. Yeah, I find uh, the few people I've spoken to about this, yeah, they're they're uh, uh, pretty in the dark about you know what is available because there there is a lot available. Now, so with regard to uh, VFR, uh, do people show up um, and? Is, is it necessary for them to have had some kind of treatment before that, or can you be their first uh, contact with uh, treatment? Eric, uh, can you answer that? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it all depends on what level of uh, care they need, right? So we're going to do – when they show up, we're going to do a, a free assessment to make sure that they're, you know, w- where they're at. And if it's, if it's you know, if they're to the point where they need a higher level of care, we're going to refer them to a higher level of care. We have lots of partners all over the country that we can do that. Um, and if if it is, um, if we decide, hey, like this this would be a good fit, outpatient will work for you, uh, then we'll we'll get them right in. Uh, within 24 hours, we'll get them right in. That partnership that Eric just talked about, that's one of the reasons that we know about you here at, Ret- at Retreat, correct? That is that is correct. We, we work, uh, we've, we've worked with uh, Retreat in the past. If someone did need a higher level of care, uh, for residential treatment, you know, we've worked with Retreat and uh, make sure that they get the, the care that they need over here. Uh, well, guys, uh, obviously you're on the side of the angels here. It's it, it particularly um, tragic when people in the groups that you guys are trying to help, veterans and uh, first responders, are, you know, uh, adrift and don't don't – because – not only for humanitarian reasons, everybody should get this level of care, but we need these people. <laughs> we, need, we need these people to be whole and able to function. Otherwise, uh, we're, we're all at greater risk. Uh, Eric, uh, finally, in the uh, minute or two we have left here, um, where do we need to go? What needs, what needs to happen that isn't happening right now? 
Well, it's, it's a great question. There's, there's a lot, right? <laughs> there's always a lot. But I will say this. What needs to happen is that community integration piece. We as a community, not just veterans, not just first responders, but as a community, we need to come together and help these folks uh, and help each other, right? Um, and I, I think breaking down barriers and breaking down communication silos is going to be vital to this. So I think what we need to do better is work together work with the VA, work with the Department of Defense, work with the state and local places, work with private health care, with everything, insurance companies. We need to start working together more as a team. That's that's my thought. Uh, Benji, if people want more information, what do they do? Uh, you can check us out at www.vfrhealthcare.com and www.strivecares.com. And you can find all of our information, our location, our staff, etc. Eric Golnick, thanks so much. We appreciate your time and uh, being on the horn with us from uh, from uh, New England. And uh, uh, Eric, we, we, I mean, Benji, we really appreciate your uh, your drive down from New York City. We appreciate that as well. Hey, guys, have a great new year. Continued uh, success with your uh, great, great efforts for veterans and first responders. We appreciate your time. Thanks, Steve. Thank you so much for having us. And uh, for the rest of you, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be here in the new year and uh, have a great and happy and safe one as well. We'll see you next Saturday. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.